Lord, your word is so important to us, a word that we both read, hear, and have to do in order for it to bring that sanctifying grace of God into our lives. We are hearers and we are doers of the word. And so this morning, as we look at the chapter 3 of James, Lord, would you be present among us and to stir us unto love and good deeds, with your love, with your peace, with your grace, come among us this morning as your word is delivered, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, who likes this dish? Uh, what is it? Uh, no secret, right? But I'll give you a clue, okay? The clue is like, wow, you can put your chopstick to it. It's a tongue. It's a grilled ox tongue. Wow, I see at least two like that. I don't think I will eat a grilled ox tongue. But anyway, some people like it. Uh, and who knows this? Aesop's fable. I think many of us read parts of it or at least know stories from Aesop um, as, as even children. But I didn't know this one. And I didn't know that Aesop, A-E-S-O-P, was a slave um, and who went on to become a very famous uh, storyteller. And, and that's a legend of it. And his master is a guy called Xanthus. X-A-N-T-H-U-S. And one day, his master, Xanthus, invited a large company of people to dinner and told Aesop, who was a slave, now you prepare the best choicest feast that money can buy. And so Isaac went away and did his job. The first course was tongues. Cooked in a very special way, appropriate sauces and all that. Everybody was impressed with the first, sauce, uh, with the first course. Then came the second course. And it was tongues again. And cooked to perfection in a different way. What was the third course? You guessed it. Tongues. Have you guys read the story? I've not read it. I'm 58 years old. And the fourth course, tongues. At this point, his master blew his top. Did I not tell you to provide the choicest meal that money could buy? What have you done? Four courses of tongues. And Isab's reply, isn't the tongue the organ of sociability, the organ of eloquence, the organ of kindness, the organ of worship, so tongues is good. And at this point, all the dinner guests applauded. Wow, your slave is so smart. So, and then Xanthus decided to invite the same guests the next night to another dinner to sort of like make up for it. And in keeping with the humor of the moment, he, in front of all the guests, says, Isop, I want you to provide the worst dinner that you can provide. And, um, and then they all came. And what do you think? Tongues. Again and again and again and again. Four causes of tongues. And of course, the master got angry. And of course, the wise Aesop came up with this answer. He said, what can be worse than a tongue? Isn't the tongue the organ of blasphemy, the tongue the organ of defamation, the organ of lying? 
And then all the dinner guests were more than ever struck by Isop's wisdom and ingenuity and the eloquence with which he replied his master. So tongues. And today we're going to be talking about tongues. You know the term, and I know the term, shoot from the hip. Heard of it before? Like you just shoot and let go. But lately, I learned a new one. It's called Shoot from the Lip. And it comes from Time Magazine, and it's talking about this guy, whom our, our ladies here will, will know. I think he's called Duterte or Duterte. Duterte, yeah. And, and this Time Magazine reporter called... Uh, no, no, no. This is a U.S. State Department spokesman, Mark Toner. He says, Every word carries weight, and words matter. And that Duterte is quickly learning that when it comes to diplomacy, words matter. So you don't just shoot, whether it's from the hip or from the lip. And of course, we all know this guy who shoots from everywhere, the hip, the lip, anywhere, uh, this guy. Uh, he's, he said this, I tell you, it's incredible. He says, uh, he says uh, although she ha- does have a very nice figure, he's talking about his own daughter, Ivanka, I've said that if, if Ivanka weren't my daughter, I would be dating her. And then the rep- uh, what's in this report says, and then, as the words he has just spoken form meaning in his mind, Trump asked, is that terrible? After he let go one about wanting to date his own daughter, then the meaning suddenly became real in his mind. And then he asked, did I say something, did I just say something terrible? So what we have just witnessed is the example of somebody who shoots first and then aim later. Or speak first and then think. And to think that this guy could potentially be the president of America. You know, now to, re- to regain some sanity in this season of presidential elections, let's see what previous US presidents had to say. Abraham Lincoln said, it is better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Another president, President Calvin Coolidge, said, I have never been hurt by anything I did not say. And these are wise words, right? Wise words. And lately, I came across uh, this book by Tom Wolfe. You know Tom Wolfe, the guy who wrote Bonfire of the Vanities, the right stuff about um, space, uh, space travel and all that. Um, he said this in his book, The Kingdom of Speech. He says, man owns or controls every animal that exists thanks to his superpower. And he calls this superpower speech. A tool crafted by humans that is now so mighty, it makes them stronger than any other species. Talk may be cheap, but it is humanity's best asset. Does it sound familiar somewhat? Or you think you can make a case to charge Tom Wolfe with plagiarism? Let's see what James chapter 3 has to say. James chapter 3, let me read through the whole chapter. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, 
they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So similar to what Tom Wolfe wrote, or what Tom Wolfe wrote was so similar to the Bible. And here, the Apostle James gives a warning that teachers will be judged with greater strictness. Ravi Zacharias, a very famous preacher and a defender of the faith and apologist, gave a talk one night, and, and then one man in the audience was driving his um, non-believer friend home from that talk, and he asked his friend for her view. So what do you think of Ravi Zacharias? And she said, very impressive, very eloquent, but I wonder how he is like in his private life. And so, indeed, teachers will be judged with greater strictness by our talk as well as by our walk. And James has a lot to say about our talk or about our tongue. And I'll just go through this very quickly. Chapter 1, verse 26, he talks about an unbridled tongue, an uncontrolled tongue. Chapter 2, verse 3, and I want to say this word again, right? Fawning, obsequious tongue. Uh, the, uh, the boot-licking kind of tongue. Um, chapter 3, verse 8, a toxic tongue, poison. Chapter 3, verse 10, uh, a forked tongue. That means, uh, yeah, you, you can speak two things at the same time. And some people actually cut their tongue uh, to accomplish this uh, physically. Chapter 4, verse 11, a, a slandering tongue. Four sixteen, a boastful tongue. Five nine, a grumbling tongue. Five twelve, a swearing tongue. But for chapter 3, we can summarize James chapter 3 into three main lessons. And firstly, that the tongue has the power to direct. Chapter 3, verse 1 to 4. 
And James uses the illustration of a horse bit to control the horse and a ship brother. But as a backslidden aeronautical engineer, I prefer to use an aeroplane, an aircraft rudder. And you can see there, the red portion is the rudder. The whole thing is what is called the vertical stabilizer. But the rudder is a very, very small part, just a little bit of red there in, I believe, that's a 747. But it controls the plane. In fact, especially when the plane is out of control, as in a stall, right? You pull the nose too high and then you just drop off. All the other instruments are useless except the rudder. So when it is in a stall or it is in a spin, as a pilot, you only have one instrument left, and that is the rudder which you kick with, with your leg so as to recover the plane. I don't have time to get into the aerodynamics of it, and as a backslider engineer, I can't even explain it anymore. But let me add to James, if I can. It's like a horse bit to control the horse. It's like a rudder to control a ship or a plane. Or it is like another small instrument that can also control a large group of people. I never thought I'd be able to play Mr. Bean in church, but manage it this time. You know, the tongue has the power to direct, to direct. You know, the Chinese, many of us here are Chinese, at least in the old days, have a very strange and superstitious custom. When somebody praises our children, that, wow, your son's so smart and for uh, doing well in exam, you say, no la, no la, my son's stupid like pig. That's what we do. The idea, I think, is to direct them towards humility so that, no, they don't grow up with a swollen head. And then we call our children akau, atu, agu. You know, we call our children dogs and uh, tu is pig and gu is cow. So I went to ask my father why last week. He said, why do we do that? He said, yong time. So that it is easier to raise your son or your, your daughter if you call them a pig or a cow or a dog, just as you would like, it's easier to raise a pig or a dog. And that's, that's the culture, that's the thinking. And unfortunately, I think such words actually accomplishes what they say it is. And, and, and your objective of raising them easily or teaching them humility actually is counterproductive. Quite the opposite. A case of misdirection, if you, if, if you like. Words have the power to direct soldiers into the battlefield. Words also send somebody like uh, Anton Casey all the way from Singapore to Australia. You know the case where, where, where he said some very bad words that he, his car was in the workshop, he had to take the MRT, and then he put on his Facebook that I have to wash the stench of public transport of myself because I was associated with all these poor people in the MRT. Remember that? Uh, and then there was a lot. He, he basically directed artillery fire onto himself. Everybody went to taro him. And, and then he went off to Australia. But I heard he's back in Singapore now. Uh, and I think we ought to be very gracious because doing a lot of uh, charity work I hear uh, in Singapore now. I always remember my school, my school report book. One of my teacher's comments... And he just wrote there, I mean, I was so young, I don't understand. Only four words, he said, be bold to venture. Primary school, you know, tell me to be bold to venture. 
And, and I think I took this verse to heart. I think he'll be quite surprised to hear that uh, I even joined the military uh, as my first job. And he'll be even more shocked to hear that I'm a pastor now. And so, in some sense, his words has directed my path. You know, I, I just thought that I should not be this skinny, timid, impoverished, asthmatic kid anymore. I ought to be bold to, to venture. And you know all about American Idol, right? Of the three or four judges, who has the most caustic remarks? What's his name? Simon Cowell, right? And I really feel that it doesn't really help so much. And, and I, I mentioned this before, the other show called The Voice, you know, where they turn around in their seats. Uh, and that is much more uh, uh, encouraging. And uh, they really direct and they develop the, the singer. So some years ago, I also conduct preacher training. I remember my first batch, we had three of them. And Edwin Chua was uh, co-leading with me and Mian Lian, Mian Lian Professor in Linguistics. So we three were like judges teaching. And then I had a batch, first batch of three students. And then we gave them assignments. They had to preach, give, share a testimony. I even videotaped them so that they can watch it themselves. And there was one time, everybody gave comments after somebody preached for 10, 20 minutes, uh, all the comments and all that. Then, then one of them says, I'm waiting for Simon Cowell. Me, leh. <laughs> I was so offended. <laughs> I'm waiting for Simon Cowell's comments. And, and you know the result, you know, of the three that we trained, I think only one made it. Uh, the, the others, like, they don't want to do it or something. Um, but it is the power of the tongue to direct you towards like failure or discouragement or towards something wholesome. And I attended my own preacher's training one time in uh, BGSD, Biblical Graduate School of Theology, where the trainer says, okay, Kofi, you preach, so I preach. And then all you students, fellow students, you can only say good things. So everybody said, you know, give their comment and the critique. You can only say good things. And then he says, I, the teacher, I will say the negative things. But the way he, he put it uh, in order to develop me as a preacher was so gracious and, and so positive and encouraging that I'm still here. You know, but only one guy can say so-called negative things. Even words like can direct theology, you know. Long time ago, some theologian says that God has predestined who will be saved. And that has directed the church into, uh, I think, a very extreme form of Calvinism. And that said, well, if, if God has already done that, then there's no need for evangelism. And that has really swung the church towards inactivity in evangelism. And, um, and you've heard the story of uh, William Carey when he wanted to be a missionary and one elder stood up and told him, young man, sit down. When God pleases to convert the heathens, he will do it without your aid or mine. And, and because of that attitude, uh, nobody was encouraged to be missionaries, but William Carey managed to break the mold, and that's why he's called the father of modern missions. So those very few words can, can really direct the affairs of men and, and the church. So words, the tongue, has the power to direct the tongue has the power to destroy. From uh, verses 5 to 8 of James chapter 3, 
And James illustrates the power of the tongue to destroy with fire. And you know how a tongue can set off a rumor that spreads like wildfire and how destructive that fire is. Proverbs, which has a lot to teach us about the tongue, Proverbs uh, 26 verse 20 say, For lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no whisperer, quarrelings cease. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. And so you just set the fire going with quarrels, with rumours, with gossip. The second word that James uses is poison. And James uses an interesting word for poison because it is also used to describe rust or corrosion. In James chapter 5, verse 3, he says, Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion. This same word in the Greek is also poison. Your tongue is like poison, corrosion. And so the, the warning that James gives to us about the tongue being, having the power to destroy is twofold. That words have the ability to harm others, like poison from a snake, and they have the ability to corrode and to destroy slowly a person's life. So let me tell you a very tragic story now about this little girl. Do you know who she is? If I play this, you won't know. When I was young, I listened to the radio. Yeah, Karen Carpenter. She died of heart failure at the age of 32, the result of a condition called anorexia nervosa. She had this fatal obsession with her weight. You know, no matter how skinny she is, when she looks at the mirror, she thinks that she is fat. Now, I may be oversimplifying this, but I read that her anorexia was triggered by a single music reviewer's comment. And when this reviewer wrote about Karen, this reviewer says, and Karen, Richard's chubby sister. And that triggered something in her. And triggered this mental illness called anorexia. And I think the Cantonese saying is right. Mo ho ye gong, mo gong. No, if you have nothing good to say, then don't say. And, and Proverbs again emphasizes this, that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. The power to destroy. The tongue has the power to destroy. Proverbs 17, 28 says, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. And this is where I think Abraham Lincoln took this to heart and he was able to, to paraphrase it this way, that it's better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and then remove all doubt that you are indeed a fool. Um, we are going really, really Cantonese today. The Cantonese have another great term for this, very colourful. He says, You know, your saliva is more than a tea. Meaning that you talk so much and you generate so much saliva, more saliva than the tea you drink. So your output is more than your input. And so this, this lady had a, a, a terrible pain in, in her throat. And then the doctors told her, yeah, Well, your, your vocal cords uh, needs total rest. And you shouldn't be talking. Let's say you stop talking for six months. So she had a husband, she had six children, and it like, seems impossible, but she did. And she followed the doctor's uh, instructions. When she needed something, she blew a whistle. 
When she needed to communicate, she wrote it out on a piece of paper and it showed the husband and children. After six months, healing came. Her voice returned. And then someone asked her, what was it like? Huh? What was it like this last six months when you could only communicate either with a whistle or by writing? And she said, you'll be surprised how many notes I had written and then crumpled and threw away before I gave it to anyone. So I was able to see my words before I said it or before I gave them out. And it gave me pause. It put a muzzle on a very powerful muscle in my mouth, and that is the tongue. And so what does the Bible say? That man, we must always speak the truth. And when we speak the truth, uh, speak the truth, of course, do not lie, Exodus 20, verse 16, the Ten Commandments. And we must speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4.15. So not just the truth, but the truth in love. But then we must not always speak. Proverbs 17, 28 that we read earlier. So the tongue has the power to, to direct. The tongue has the power to destroy. And I want to concentrate more really on the tongue has the power to delight. James chapter 3, verse 9 to 18. And James illustrates this with spring waters. Spring waters and with fruit. The words from your tongue that refreshes others, that edifies, that builds up people, that encourages them. A man was uh, working in a small grocery shop and came in this very, uh, uh, what is it, repeat customer, old customer, very rich lady, a regular customer. And the rich lady came in and said, I want to buy half a banana. So then I said, half a banana? But she's a regular customer. I said, but we don't have half bananas. Then the rich lady got angry and said, you mean after all these years that I patronized your shop, you won't sell me a half banana? Then the man said, okay, okay, okay. Let me go ask the manager. So he went into the, 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 the back of the store and he told this manager in rather a loud voice, you won't believe it, but this rich lady out there has gone bananas and she wants to know if she can buy half a banana. And then he noticed the manager, shh, 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 because the lady was right behind him. And... And, and then this, this guy very quickly say, Oh, you just sold one? Oh, then this rich lady can have the other half banana. Quite quick thinking, right? And so the manager said to the man later, Wow, I was really impressed how you got yourself out of that mess. And, uh, and, and I like people who can think on their feet uh, here in the shop. So where are you from, my son? So he says, Oh, Canada. Oh, but why did you leave Canada? And the man says, well, Canada have the ugliest woman. Uh, but the best thing about Canada is that they have very good champion hockey players. So the manager says, really? My wife is from Canada. <laughs> and the man says, so which hockey team did he play for? Uh, did she play for? Again, trying to wangle his way up. But not many of us are, are as quick-witted as this guy or as silver tongue. Like the Cantonese will say, how long go yao? Like you have just gargled your mouth with oil, so they are so smooth. How do we use our tongue to delight and not to destroy? You think about the times in your life when someone's tongue has brought you delight. How about thinking about that now? Someone's tongue has said something that really brought you delight. If you have ever received notes or emails or cards from Elder Edwin Chua, you know what I mean. 
Huh? You know what I mean. It's even written nicely, okay? Straight lines, you know. He writes, he puts a ruler there and he writes. <laughs> yeah. Really. <laughs> so good. I keep some of his notes and cards to me because they're so encouraging. And I remember my dad bringing me to the old Singapore University, the Bukit Timah campus, when I was very young, maybe eight or nine years old, and I went there to learn how to ride the bicycle. It was something he picked up from a, from a rubbish bin, and then he, he refurbished it, and I went to ride. So he worked as a plumber there. And then I met his boss or his foreman there. always remember his stern face, Uncle Akiet, we call him. And you know, like in the old days, again in Cantonese, they say, he will ask my father right in front of me, Ligo Zaya, Palo Dawa Palo Mo. So he's like, This son of yours, is he afraid of mom or is he afraid of dad? And then I told him, Lo Dao Mai Ole Page, Lo Dao Hai Ole Jun Zonge. Wow. Okay, I gotta explain that. A father is not to be afraid of, a father is to be respected. Wow, wasn't that delightful? Even if I should say so myself, and I did. Oh, maybe the, he thought he was standing on holy ground. I wasn't even a Christian then. Okay. And then I always remember my dad saying this, This son, when you speak the head, you understand. When, when you speak the head, he understands the tail. You know what I mean? Sort of like, I don't know how to explain that. Now. Speak head, understand tail. And I felt like my, my, my dad say, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Yeah, it's like the equivalent. How did God the Father talk to his son or about his son? How did God the Father commission his son into ministry? He said, son, I'm sending you down there. You better do a good job. And by the way, you only got three years, okay? And don't bother coming home if you cannot accomplish it in three years. Did he say that? No, right? We know that he says, um, Matthew chapter 12, Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. And I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And it is a tongue that delights. You know, I hate this term, you better. You, know, you better, you better do this. So you better don't say you better in front of me, okay? Uh, oh, I can't stand this word, you better. What is the tongue that delights? I think we can use uh, James chapter 3. But it refers to wisdom. James chapter 3, verse 17 says, but the wisdom, let's change the word wisdom, but the tongue that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, and good fruits, impartial and sincere. So the words of wisdom, the tongue of the wise. So we now have a three-point sermon. The power uh, tongue has the power to direct, to destroy, to delight, and then under delight we have eight sub-points, okay? This is what I tell uh, people that I so-called trained to preach and never, never to do, right? Don't have eight sub-points under three main points, but here it goes. So the tongue ought to be pure, and Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Some people speak uh, something, and then there's a, there's a sting, at, at the end, you know, so it's like, oh, ah. even though you praise me, uh, at the end, uh, you add something that, that really slaps me in the face. Pure is maybe, is, is to be colorblind, you know, we, we are all racist in one way or another, uh, in our sinful, uh, 
untransformed hearts? And how do we speak pure? Peaceable, blessed are the peacemakers. Uh, gentle uh, versus being harsh. Uh, the story of this uh, army officer who went to a vending machine and doesn't have coins, and so he asked this soldier who was next to him, like, uh, uh, could I get some change from you and exchange my, my $2 for some coins? And the soldier said, wait a minute, huh? uh, let me check. And then he said, man, you don't answer an officer this way, okay? Then the soldier said, yes, sir. Then, uh, can I have change? No, sir. <laughs> yeah, it's just a harsh word. And what does it elicit? Proverbs says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A gentle tongue is a tree of life. Number four, open to reason. Um, and when we started, study conflict uh, resolution, when we are first arguing, we are talking reason, we are arguing over the issue, but after a while we get angry with one another, then we attack the person rather than the issue, and then we forget what the issue was all about. Husband and wives, you know what I mean? Yeah, so open to reason. Uh, a tongue that is full of mercy versus full of judgments. Uh, a tongue that is full of good fruit, the, the harvest of righteousness. Uh, and, and Proverbs has some very poetic language on this, Proverbs 25, 11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in setting of silver. That's what it is like. A tongue that is impartial, that means not snobbish or, or, or whatever, and a tongue that is sincere. Uh, sincere is translated without hypocrisy. That means you don't put on a mask. Yeah, all very nice. Direct, destroy, delight, three points. And eight sub-points. Now is the YBH problem. Yes, but how? Yes, but how? how? How do I sanctify my tongue? And this we have to go to the words of Jesus. Matthew chapter 12, from 33. Jesus says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. Very strong words here. He said, you brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person, out of the good treasure, of his good treasure, brings forth good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, brings forth evil. And I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. What? Give account for every careless word? I've got so many. And other translation says, idle word, a lazy word. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Another translation is, for the mouth speaks out that which fills the heart. The mouth speaks out that which fills the heart. So, what fills our heart? Really go back to basic principles. And uh, the principles are, are so simple. You fill the heart with good, and then you control your tongue. You, you will speak good. But it's going to take a lifetime to practice. It is this process of sanctifying grace. Right? God accepts us when we confess our sins but we still sin. 
God gives us His favour. He chops. Child of God here. But we still need to be sanctified. And how do we be, how do we get sanctified? That God helps us. And I want to share two things here. We rid and we replace. So what do we rid? What do we get rid of? Again, James is very, very practical. It helps us. James chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore, get rid. Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you, which can sanctify you, which can purify you, and therefore purify your heart and purify your tongue. So what do we replace with what we get rid of? What do we fill our hearts with so that out of the abundance of our hearts, our mouths can speak words that delight? Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you. Let the word of Christ fill you richly. And this is the life, the teaching, the words, the spirit of Jesus filling us. And that's the basic of it all. So read and then replace. And secondly, less words, more works. More works of blessing. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19 says, When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. In another translation, when words are many, sin is not far away. So let not our saliva be more than our tea. Some studies show that men use an average of 7,000 words per day. I think this is the English-speaking world. Chinese will be less, huh? because Chinese are more concise people. And Singlish, even less. 7,000 for a man. And then it shows that women uses an average of 20,000 words a day. So almost three times as much. So does it mean that a woman has three times more chances for sin or transgression? What do you think? It depends. Right? If the woman's heart is transformed and is constantly filled with the words of Christ, out of the abundance of a heart, she speaks three times more delightfully. Right? If the word of Christ is in our hearts, out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth will speak words that delight, that refreshes like spring waters, that delights as when you see a basket of fruit inside maybe half bananas, but still, it, it just encourages you. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure many of us have, have received those words and we have a sense of what it means. <clears throat> and lastly, it's so simple, right? Think before we speak and not the other way around. Speak first, then think. You know, like the woman who was prescribed six months of uh, silence, you write out in your mind what you're going to say, you look at it in your mind, then you decide if you want to use those words. And I'm sure that if we do that, many times we will take those words and throw away in our mental dustbin. And a very useful acronym is THINK. You ask yourself, is it true? <clears throat> is it helpful? I couldn't fit in an I, so I just say, is it idiotic? Uh, actually, that's, uh, is it inspirational? But inspirational, very difficult. Huh? If every word must be inspirational. So, uh, is it idiotic? Uh, is it necessary to speak like that? And then, lastly, is it kind? 
Okay, you probably won't remember this, huh? but the important thing is the principle. The principle is slow down. The principle is quick to hear, slow to speak, right? So if you think and you can remember T is for true, H is for helpful, I is for idiotic and necessary and kind, then it slows you down. And then you abide with this biblical principle, quick to hear, slow to speak, and then your words will delight. So just think that your tongue such a powerful muscle that the words that come out of it is pure and peaceable and gentle and full of mercy and sincere that the people you that your, that people will be impacted by your words they will be directed by your words and they will receive delight whether you speak it aloud or you speak it in your online blog or you speak it in your Facebook or, or Instagram and, and, and nowadays people speak very freely on social media and sometimes I cannot understand even among Christians there is so much angst in, in the Facebook it's like they are so angry and they are like not really cursing but they're just angry with, with the whole world what, what, what is it you know what's so delightful uh, in that what's bring a fountain of life. So can you imagine in PPH that our words are fountains of life. Our words bring healing. And, and God says, this is my son. This is my daughter from PPH in whom I'm well pleased. You listen to him. You listen to him. You listen to her. Just as he said to Jesus, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. There are words of healing that comes out. There are words of life, a fountain. So, we're going to have a very quiet coffee break later on. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, speak, speak. But every word comes out, delight, delight, delight. Okay? Let's pray. Father, you are the one who gave us our tongue. That small member that is like a rudder. It directs. There's more member, but that can turn into fire or poison to destroy. But there's more member in our body that can delight. That when people associate with us, listen to us, they feel as though they have been refreshed by mountain spring waters. That they feast before them a whole basket of fruits. Something as beautiful as that. Apples of gold in settings of silver. So Lord, we want to pray that you would help us out of the grace that can be found, the, the strength that comes from the love of God, the grace of Jesus in our heart, that you will transform us, fill our hearts with goodness, love, mercy, that out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth will then speak. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.